and welcome everybody to the Industry 4.0 weekly live Q&A. Uh, we're here live every week at Tuesday noon central to make sure to hit that like button and get subscribed. We're at 9,048 subscribers, which is truly amazing. You know, the Industry 4.0 community is growing like crazy. So again, make sure to get subscribed because we're here live every week, Tuesday at noon, answering your guys' questions. And uh, we have your, uh, you know, your instructor, your mentor, Walker Reynolds today. And uh, we were actually just talking about- Instructor, instructor and mentor. <clears throat> I'm the blowhard that you guys listen to every week. Solutions Architect. Solutions we were talking about the Industry 4.0 Clubhouse review video I did last week. If you guys haven't seen it, you kind of go watch it here. Long story short, um, there was a, there was some kind of, uh, there was a comment that I made in that, that I felt like I might've, I was, I was wondering if I was like too hard on them because the whole idea of the Clubhouse, we love the idea of y'all in the community creating content, getting together on different platforms, taking the message that we preach and then sharing it out there to more people right so we do want to encourage that but in the same sense if there's people speaking from a position of authority that and and it's not you know that's that was with how many how many people in the chat have had a chance to watch um that video <clears throat> it's i think it's uh, zach what was the name it's called checking out the industry 4.0 clubhouse yes how, yes. how many of y'all had a chance to, to watch that um I, I I personally only had a chance to watch about six, seven minutes of it. Zach wanted me to like watch the video and then give him feedback on, you know, his uh his critique. Um I only watched like six, seven minutes at the thirty nine, forty minute mark um to see, you know, because I guess that's where Zach was Zach wanted me to comment on. And um I, I thought Zach's comments were totally fair. If it, but if if have you guys not um if you, if you haven't had a chance to watch that, it it's kind of kind of long. I didn't I didn't get a chance to watch it. I love the format. I think that format's awesome. Um, you know the, the idea of the it seems like the idea of the industry 4.0 clubhouse. What's the name of the guy again? I Martin Martin Cloak with Raven.ai, who's the guy who kind of started it. Right. So there's a guy named Martin Cloak. He's from I think he's from Canada. He's with Raven.ai. He started the Industry 4.0 Clubhouse. I love that concept. I think the format is is great. It's long form. It's audio only. Um, it's really cool. I, I dig that a lot. I like the concept of bringing together in a like what's really unique about what they're doing in the Industry 4.0 Clubhouse is it's a like a panel style discussion, um, which I like that. I think that's really really cool. Um, <clears throat> but I I, I I didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing, so I, I really can't well, comment on the whole the thing. Part, what I can, what I can, don't like. What's that? Well, let's get into the part that you don't like, or the part that maybe be in question, right? Right. So apparently, there was <clears throat> some comments that Zach had made that you know people had questioned, like maybe in the comments they were like, "Hey, were you a little too hard on them?" Um, there was uh, the title of the Industry 4.0 Clubhouse, and this is this is a recommendation to. Um, all content creators, okay? At the end of the day, I think we need way, way more people producing content um, in our industry, okay? I had a chance to watch Rockwell Automation's podcast on LinkedIn. I think it was yesterday or the day before. Total trash. I mean, I, I literally walked away from it. Like, I didn't learn anything in that content, right? I didn't, I didn't, there wasn't anything I learned or gleaned from it. So you can have the greatest production quality in the world. Um, you can be using the best cameras. You can all that stuff. But if what you're talking about, it doesn't provide value to the people who are watching it, they're not going to watch it. Right. I mean, they're just they just aren't. So uh, sort of what I what I took away from the Industry 4.0 Clubhouse piece was I, I love the format and I love the um, like the uh, panel style. But it's very important to make sure that the people you put, like if you're going to produce content, right? If say you're just a, a standalone engineer and you're going to produce content, and you are, um, and you are going to put yourself out there as a um, an authority in the space, then you better be an authority in the space. That means you better be an expert in what you're talking about. Hey, how's it going, Jeff Rankin? Good to see you again, Dan Riken. Um, you better be an expert. You better be an authority in the space 
because it's really important that you don't misinform the community. That That's really, really critical, right? It's super important that what you say can pass empirical testing, right? Go ahead. And and there was there was a person uh, on the Industry 4 Out Clubhouse. I mean, I think the title was like that she's this, the I think her name is Ain or something, that she's going to tell you how to create the work and the Industry 4.0 workforce. And there was a bunch of great comments she said in there about sort of the skill sets and stuff you want to touch on. And I'm going to I'm going to highlight some again today. But then she but then in then she delegitimized her statement by saying, well, I don't really know that much about Industry 4.0. She literally said that. And then she goes, I don't really know that much about Industry 4, even though the clubhouse is saying, hey, we're going to talk to you about building the workforce of the future for Industry 4.0. And then the person who you're having do the majority of the speaking says, I'm not an authority in the space. Well, you need to say that beforehand. Like if you're giving an opinion, it's important when you're creating the content to say, you know, I'm not the expert here. I'm, I'm, I'm not an authority in the space, but here's my observations. Here's how I see it, right? Um, you know, we have five core values, you know, transparency, authenticity, expertise, humility, servant leadership. Transparency is we tell it like it is. I don't worry about your feelings. You don't worry about my feelings. We tell it like it is. We're honest all the time, for better or worse, okay? Authentic means I am who I am. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time trying to be a person I'm not, right? So because that takes energy, energy that I could put forth towards solving problems. Expertise means I, I'm, an, I'm an expert and I act like it. Um, that is the things that I'm an expert in, the expertise that I have, I speak from a position of authority on that expertise, right? Whether I'm interacting with my clients, the community, or colleagues. Humility is I know what I'm good at, know what I'm, I don't know what I'm, I'm good at. And I surround myself with the pe- people who are good at the things I'm not. And then servant leadership is we deliver for our customer in spite of our customer, okay? Um, one of the things that concerns me, there's a lot more content coming out, which I think is amazing. And I see a lot of great content. My, one of my favorite YouTube channels is uh, real pars. So, um, I don't like their old content, but like everything from like 2018 to now, I really like, rarely do I see a video where I'm like, Ugh, that, you know, that didn't provide any value or you missed the, missed the, an important point right here, that kind of thing. I think RealPars does a, a phenomenal job. I think Kudzai does a phenomenal job. I absolutely love his channel. Um, and there's more and more really good content coming out. But there's also, along with that, there's some, ba- there's some bad content coming out. Stuff mm-hmm. that is going to lead people in the wrong direction. And that's concerning. Like, you know, I watched a video about the, hid- the history of Industry 4.0 you know, a couple of weeks ago, it's, it's just fucking wrong. I mean, there's nothing in there. Like I would never say that shit to my customers. It's just fucking wrong. It's like it. And you know, you can, you know, it, it's a crime. If you're going to hold yourself out as an authority, you got to be right. And if you're not right, you got to say I was wrong. Hey guys, I was wrong. Don't listen to me. <laughs> you know, it just happened in the discord server the other day. Someone asked the question, you know, what's CICD? And I answered the question. I, I mentioned it and then I answered it. I said, oh, it's continuous and continuous improvement, continuous development. And, um, and, I w- <laughs> and I don't know what I was thinking. It's continuous integration, but my brain was in a continuous improvement state. And somebody <laughs> pointed it out. I'm like, no, no, no. Oh, phew. You know, yeah, I'm wrong. Listen to that guy, not me. I'm an idiot. You know, <laughs> like it was like, that's what you do. You know, in, in our space, Part of the reason there's so much misinformation out there, the part of the reason clients are so confused is because you have two types of people in the space right now in Industry 4.0. You got those who are mission-driven and values-driven, and then you got everybody else, okay? And I'm not saying that because I'm mission and values-driven. It's just a clear observation. You can measure it. It's really easy, right? There are organizations out there that are telling their customers to do something that is less than optimal without a first telling their customers they're recommending less than optimal and B they're doing it because it's in their own self-interest. I'm talking to you Rockwell. I'm talking to you Siemens. Most of the time Um, I'm talking to um, (laughs) McKinsey. I'm talking to Accenture group. You know, there's a lot of people out there who are, and that doesn't mean that they always do this, but but in my experience, my observation, they're doing it way more than they're not doing it. And 
Um, and the reason why is, you know, it's money. I mean, it's, it's, you know, Hey, it's in my, I'm only going to sell the stuff I'm going to make money off of. Right. Um, those are not mission and dri values driven people. They're playing the short game. They're the quarter to quarter people. They're like, we're, we're focusing on sales for this month only. And that's all that fucking matters. And it doesn't matter if my, in my, um, you know, in my mission to sell as much as I possibly can, I'm doing what's in the exact opposite best interest of my client. Okay. That is a crime in my opinion. It's a crime as an organization, you know, as human beings, we have, when you, when you coalesce into an organization or in, into an order, right? The sociological term, right? You, you, you have a responsibility to hold one another accountable. So as engineers, as industry 4.0 professionals, we need to peer review one another. And we need to do it as respectfully as humanly possible. And, but we need to hold one another accountable. Um, you, you can't watch someone, you know, you can't watch someone misinform or, get, or, or make a mistake, make an honest mistake and not point that out. You have to, especially when you're an engineer or you're a, a solutions architect and your clients are depending on you, depending on you to get it right. D depending on you to get it right. You know, we live in a day and age right now in the United States where like um, police brutality is a big, big subject, right? <clears throat> and I don't want to get into a big political discussion and all that jazz. But the what's happening with police all across America is partly <clears throat> a bunch of radical people's problem. You know, they're just overreacting and, you know, abusing police and it's uncalled for. But it's also a function of the fact that the police have refused to police themselves for decades, right? I, I, I'm a cop and I'm driving drunk and I get pulled over by another cop and they drive me home and everyone knows those stories. You know what I mean? I get pulled over. I don't get a ticket. You know, I punch a, a, a handcuffed suspect and my partner doesn't turn me in. In fact, they lie for me, right? They didn't self-police. It's not just that. It's teachers. It's all organizations, right? Look at the teachers' unions. Are they good or bad for our, our kids' education? Obviously, they're bad for our kids' education, right? It's, you know, they're, they're looking out for their own self-interest. We have, to, as, as engineers, as experts in the industrial, in industrial automation, and, and especially as it relates to Industry 4.0, we can't fall into that trap. So if I'm, by the way, if I'm with a vendor and, I'm go, and I talk to a client, I've got a vendor with me. And that vendor wants me to sell their product. And me as the architect, I decide their product's not, I, in my opinion, their product isn't what's best for that client. I'm not going to keep my mouth shut. I'm going to tell the client, hey, listen, I love their product and I use it all the time. I think one of the things we might want to consider is this other one. Here's why I would put it in this place. And if that vendor gets pissed off at me, that's their problem, not mine. That's their problem, not mine. I will sell your product when it is the right product to sell. And someone will say, well, Walker, who are you? How are you? Who are you to say that it's right in that situation? And it's not. And the answer is I'm the architect. That's who, that's who I am to say. I'm the guy who has the track record of successfully digitally transforming. Not you, Mr. Vendor. You may be a really good marketing guy and a really good sales guy. You're really good at selling shit, but you don't produce results. That's on the architect. I'm the one who's held accountable for the results and the team, the engineers on there. So yes, I am the person who's right to say whether or not that's what I would put in that place or not. And so are you, the audience here. That's who you are. I want to give a couple of shout outs before we get started. We didn't have a, um, a uh, spotlight this week. So um, I, I wanted I wanted to use that little dissertation there. We have this responsibility. We have a much greater responsibility, and um, in the industry. And when we are creating content, this is what I, people ask me all the time. Hey, man, I want to start shooting content. What should I do? Okay, well, you know, how do I get started? And the answer is just use your phone and shoot a video. And and your primary focus needs to be. What I need to provide value for whoever's going to watch this. Don't fucking sell something to them. 
you know, don't don't uh, self-promote or self-aggrandize, anything like that. It doesn't mean that you can't point out things that you've done successfully. That's fine, right? But the goal has to be to provide value to the people who are watching the video. I, it's amazing to me, you got really, really smart people who are for big organizations who are going out and shooting content, okay? You got really smart people going out and shooting content. These are not idiots. These are not uneducated people. And it's amazing to me how much content out there is absolute, complete fucking garbage. Absolute garbage. Whether it's a white paper, whether it's a video, whether it's a podcast that somebody shot, it's all, it's like an obfuscated advertisement. And then at the end of the video, I ask myself whenever I watch a YouTube video, I'll say, what value, what did I learn from that? You know, if I listen to a podcast, I'll ask myself, what do, what do I learn from that? What did I learn from that piece of content? I actually write it down. When the community, I don't, I don't go and search, you know, I'm not on LinkedIn for those you guys don't know. I don't manage my own LinkedIn. So if you send me a message at LinkedIn, it actually goes through my team. The team actually gets that message and if it's one I absolutely need to read, they send it to me, right? And then I and then I go on LinkedIn and respond. Same thing with YouTube comments. I don't go on YouTube and read them, um, but once a week, the the team points me. Um, I do read all the Discord stuff when I get on Discord. The first thing I do is go to mentorship, mastermind, and questions, and I read all those things and answer them as much as I can. Same thing with the the direct messages. But I get many, many, many messages. It's like, hey, Walker, will you watch this video and tell me what you think? I get that all the time. 10, 12 a week. And I watch every one of them that somebody sends to me. Okay. And I would say 80% of the time, the video that they sent to me, I can point out 10, 12, 15, 20 things that are not accurate. Okay. Or that are just simply not true. They can't be supported by empirical data. Right. And it frustrates me. It's like, man, you know, we're, there are a lot of really great people in this community who are out trying to make an actual difference for manufacturers so that they stay in business. This week, I'm in New Hampshire, right? This probably looks like a Zoom background. It's not. I'm in, uh, I'm in the Common Man Inn in Claremont, New Hampshire. And this week, I'm, we're doing a DTMA with a, with a client here in New Hampshire, right? I'm, and by the way, if you ever get a chance to come to Claremont, this is an amazing inn. Stay at the Claremont Inn. Or not the Claremont, the uh, common man in. Um, you know, I'm 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 consulting with this client, and we're we're looking at the future of their business and how to help them digitally transform. And you know, what does the future of the company look like? And you know, they got 150 something employees, I think, give or take. And our ability to help them digitally transform is a it is the difference between them being in business 10 years from now and them not being in business 10 years from now. The products that they make, 95% of the products that they make are in a shrinking market. So they, they make one key product right now and they, and they need to transform their business into other value streams and they need to digitally transform at the same time. And their ability to keep all those people employed here in the Northeast in a really good paying job with great benefits and where they grew up is wholly dependent upon our ability to help them transform from a, you know, an industry 2.5 company into, into an industry 4.0 company. That is a great responsibility, but it is a, it, but if there's other, if there's, if the community can't agree on what industry 4.0 is or IIoT is or digital transformation is, or what the values are, if the, if the community can't agree on it, then the first thing we got to do when we meet with this client is, is wade, wade through all the bullshit that they've heard from all the other vendors that are trying to sell them shit. First thing I say in the first, we did the kickoff yesterday. I'm like, I'm not here to sell you anything. I don't have anything to sell you. So just, let's just get that out of the way. There's not at the end of this engagement. I'm not, there's nothing I'm trying to sell you. My plan is to walk away from here on Friday and, and I'll support you. That's it. Okay. We have to stop being self-serving in our content, in our education, in, in our projects, in the way we approach our clients. Yeah, I consult for a lot of integrators and it's amazing to me the number of integrators whose plan is to manipulate their customer so that they can be the engineering arm for their customer forever. Well, how do they in, in, um, manipulate them? Lots of ways, most of which is 
obfuscating the data and information those clients need to um, transform their business, leaving comments out of their PLC code, using obfuscated um, um, coding techniques so that the client can't maintain or troubleshoot the source code of SCADA and MES applications. It, you know, it, it, it's incredibly frustrating to see this over and over and over and over again. And Americans all over the country are wondering why it is that we have a declining middle class. Why is it more and more of our shit is manufactured in China? You're shitting me, right? <laughs> all the people on this call, all the people on this call and the people in our community, over 1,600 members now, the, the Industry 4.0 Discord server, um, you know, our 8,000, what is it, 9,000, over 9,000 subscribers on YouTube now, right? Over 9,000. Right. Everybody, everybody is a member of this community. You know, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people who want to be a part of the solution. Right? There's a lot of people out there who want to be a part of the solution. Let me just say this. You know, I'm, I'm in New Hampshire supporting a customer this week. Okay. And it is a, doing a DTMA is a very intensive process. This past week for the Digital Mastermind Group, we, we did session one where we went through te teaching a five-hour session trying to teach you know, the member, the 45 members of Digital Mastermind how to lead a DTMA, how to go through this digital transformation maturity assessment process with your clients. Okay, It's very, very intensive. And my commitment to this community, our commitment to this community means that this morning after we had the engineering and maintenance session we had to tell the client hey we have to go back to the hotel and do our live q a because we can't let the community down this is our 15th live q a we haven't missed one yet our participation engagement viewers all continue to go up okay we i want you to know that we are committed to the community as much as the community is committed to our collective mission and our collective values that's why I'm here right now doing this live Q&A and I'm not on site with the client and that I won't get back there until 2.30, 2.30 Eastern, okay? Um, all right, I'm off my soapbox. I know hopefully you guys don't mind that rant too bad, but it, it just chaps my ass to no end that, you know, that, that, that someone could just think that, you know, like that, and now, to be fair, they 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 do a lot of clubhouses. They go clubhouse. Oh no! no. By, the way, by the way, by the way, by the way, you're not just my my this. statement is not in is not the clubhouse. I actually think that's awesome. I I I didn't see. I there were a couple of like, hey, that lady was speaking as an authority, and then she said she wasn't an authority. Yes, I have an issue with that, but I think the clubhouse is amazing. I I I hope they I hope. Out to me and they what's the name of the guy again who does it? What's his Martin, name? Martin Cloak. Now I uh, I hope that Martin keeps doing it forever. I think it's a beautiful fucking idea and it's going to grow and you know i i you know i yeah, don't have any issue with that at all the host did reach out to me she did appreciate the the gesture to share it out on on our server so yep. we are invited to come on there they do go live a lot of times like five days per week and i think that's part of the i wanted to make note of that like their volume of content makes it such that the signal to noise ratio it, it's just not going to be that information dense for those of you that are wondering it's that's this video right here checking out the industry 4.0 clubhouse live if you want to, if you want to watch it, Zach, are you sharing my screen? Yes. Okay. I thought it was a pretty good video. Um, you know, I wasn't trying to like dog them or anything. I thought, yeah. you know, like I said, it's pretty good. Want to share what they're doing. So, so I want to give a shout out to a couple of people. All right. Um, Dan Riken is always rule of Borg. What any nodes know, all nodes know this week out in Phoenix. Um, Canary labs is doing the Canary labs roadshow. We have a bunch of members of the community out there. I, if I forget anybody, please, you know, Forgive me. I know that Cheryl McCrary's out there. I know that Dave Schultz presented yesterday. He did a presentation. I received a bunch of text messages from uh, Jeff Nepper and other members who were participating said that Dave Schultz did a phenomenal job. So a big shout out to Dave Schultz. Um, you know, it, you know, De Dave is fully he's all he's all in both feet. He's been all in with mentorship and mastermind from day one. He's been highly active with the community. Dave made to the Canary Roadshow that was in Arlington, got, got a chance to see him face to face. If you want to talk about the value of being a member of the community, how it can translate into real career value, Dave Schultz is your, you know, he's your, 
shining example. I mean, if you think, uh, if you look at his development in this industry just in the last, you know, eight or nine months or whatever it is. So very proud of Dave Schultz. Um, Cheryl's out there. Dan Riken's out there. Uh, anybody else? Zach and I'm missing. Um, yeah, a bunch of, you know, a bunch of people from the community, um, different integrators, met, met a few contacts there yesterday. I had a chance to go out there yesterday with Zoe. So uh, those of you in the community got the chance to meet Zoe. Uh, I, I described her as a as an entry level engineer. So <laughs> that's the way your family does it. Um, all right. So today is our 15th live Q&A coming to you from New Hampshire this week. Um, we'll be here all week. And then I think next week we'll still be in upstate New York next week. And we're going to go um, visit a facility for another client that we're doing a DTMA for. Um, I already went over this this spiel. So for anybody who's asking me, hey, I want to do content and you know, how can we provide value and grow an audience? It's very simple. Just provide real value to your viewers. Okay. So here I want to show you the process that I go through to create content. So, uh, later today we're going to shoot the, we're going to do the final shoot for a keynote address, um, that I'm giving for, um, tech data. Uh, forgive me. I, I, I don't remember the exact def name of it, but the tech data, um, industry 4.0 days, which is sponsored by Intel and Intel is sponsoring my keynote address. I will be shooting that. It's about a 45 minute speech. Uh, Zach is going to be sharing the link so that you guys can, you know, attend the tech data, um, industry 4.0 days, whatever. I can't remember what they're calling it. I forgive me for that. Um, but when I shoot that, I, this is all I have. I just brainstorm this. So the key topics, you know, the title is what is digital transformation? The key topics, I'm going to go, what is manufacturing? So the audience is going to be IT professionals and technical salespeople who uh, primarily sell IT equipment and they are, and they're going to be learning how they can support industry 4.0 initiatives for manufacturers. Okay. And, and this is, these tech days are meant to educate them, to help them provide real value to their customers. All right. So this is really how I prepare to shoot a video. I don't have a script. I don't do anything. I just, I, I do the bulleted list and I remember them in my head and I just go through it. So I'm going to be touching on what is manufacturing. I'm actually going to explain what is manufacturing. Primarily, what's the workflow? How do manufacturers take something they've sold and turn it into finished goods? Okay. Yes, manufacturing starts with the sale. Uh, number two, what is industry 3.0 for manufacturing? What does it actually mean? Okay. What is industry 4.0 for manufacturing? What's the definition of industry 4.0? I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight the differences between industry 3.0 manufacturers, industry 4.0 manufacturers. We're gonna use Tesla as our 4.0 example. I'm I'm about to get permission from another one, an, another client who's gonna let us use their name. So um, that's amazing. So we'll be doing that uh, soon. And we're gonna highlight some companies who failed to leverage technology to innovate. Uh, Eastman Kodak, Smith Corona. We're gonna talk about some maturity examples in the industry. So what is a what a typical a typical manufacturer who needs to digitally transform. What is, what is the state of that company? What do they look like? Okay. We're going to talk about what is digital transformation. We're going to highlight it. And then I'm going to close it up with how can you help as, as vendors, as, as salespeople, what do you need to be thinking about so that you can help organizations digitally transform? And that audience is going to be for the layperson. I want to know who I'm speaking to and for the it professional who can't fathom that industry isn't plugged into infrastructure. What should the, be the key takeaway for the viewer who's going to watch the keynote address? What is digital transformation and how can I help? That's how I plan to shoot a video. So when we shoot videos, that's what I do. So if somebody wants to know like how I shoot content, that's how we shoot content. Okay. Every time someone suggests that we plug a product or we plug or we do some, you know, whenever there, there's a business person who says, um, we need to make sure we put a call to action at the end where we try to get them to go to our, you know, customer form or whatever. I tell them to fuck off. Okay. That's what I literally say. So if you're the person in front of the camera, don't let your, the people around you turn you into a salesperson. The second you sell to me, I'm not listening to you. And it, it's everyone else. Everyone's the same way. I mean, look, why did everybody buy a TiVo? So they don't have to listen to commercials. I mean, seriously, who the hell, why do people pay for YouTube pro premium? 
or YouTube Red, as it used to be, because they don't want to watch commercials. That's right? right. Stop selling. People don't need to be sold to. They have the internet so that they can go search for the stuff that they're looking for. The second you start selling to people, they're going to stop listening to you. Okay? It, it, it undermines your message. So that's how I do this. Okay? Um, uh, we talked about this, shooting tech data. Mastermind session one was a huge hit on the um, uh, digital transformation maturity assessment session one. We'll be doing session two at the end of, end of May. It was a long five-hour session to get through like the framework of the DTMA and what the outputs are and you know, how, how do you structure the sessions and manage expectations and ask the questions and overcome objections. And then what I want to do is I want to talk about continuous improvement versus innovation. I didn't get permission to mention the name, so I'm not going to mention uh, the name, but we had a client who um, I, I mentioned to you guys that, you know, we don't work with most clients who ask us to work with them. So we're very selective. We only, you know, we're basically picking one out of 12, give or take, uh, to, to do the actual the actual work. And there was a huge company, one of the largest manufacturers in the world, uh, asked us if we would help them with their plan of the future initiative and architect it. It's the kind of company that every engineering firm is spending years and years and years and years to just try to get a meeting with the people in charge. Right. And they called us. All right. Um, and yet our decision, our executive decision was we have, we have a board that lists like uh, of the top 100 manufacturers in the world, which ones we think, you know, based on our analysis, based on, and it's all empirically driven. If you guys were in digital mastermind last week, you know exactly how we're calculating it. We're going to show you how to do it, how we're calculating, what pillars we're judging them on, how we're scoring everyone, how we do the distribution. So we know we've plotted organizations all over the globe on a distribution. And we know where they are today. And, we, and then we're making an estimation based on what we know about their strategy, whether they're going to be around or whether they're not going to be around. Oh, quick okay. question. Go ahead, man. Because a lot of people from Mastermind reached out. They want to get their hands on that spreadsheet. And so what is the plans for that spreadsheet that, you know, what is the spreadsheet and what are the plans for it? Um, so the, we're, we're going to build a web application that'll get you access to it. The problem is, is that there is confidential data in the in the spreadsheet and we can do we can if somebody wants to see the spreadsheet by itself all they gotta do is sign an nda and and we'll share the data we'll just have to obfuscate out the list of the companies we'll maybe you know put a, an, a a unique id so we can anonymize the companies that that's all it would be um but i, I don't have any problem sharing that in any way shape or form um I, I get it. Most other it, to have yeah. that be what drives the DTMA, right? That's so, what... so the plan, the plan is, so for those of you that are on here who don't know anything about digital mastermind, right? The digital mastermind program is a, we have basically two education programs. Program number one is mentorship where we're teaching people, engineers, how, or technical professionals, how to be part of an industry 4.0, um, initiative, right? How to, how to be a member of the rank and file who's going to help digital transformation take place. Whether that's a technician running a machine, a technician who's working on machines, whether you're an engineer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, maintenance person. It's all about teaching people how to be part of the team. Digital Mastermind is all about teaching people how to lead an Industry 4.0 digital transformation initiative. So Mastermind is a much, it's, you know, you basically, you know, you, you need to have the skills that you learn in mentorship in order to become to, to become a, a mastermind who can lead digital transformation. So we have 160, I don't know how many members it is. I think it's 160 members in mentorship. And then we have about 45 people who are going through mastermind. And, um, and so in digital mastermind, what we did this week is the, the digital transformation maturity assessment is the first two steps of a digital transformation um, journey for an organization. It's the first, it's the, where are, where am I right now? Where do I want to go? How do I get there? That, that piece right there, but it's empirically driven. So the first thing that we do is we do the assessment of the organization and then we score the organization using a scoring mechanism. And that score gives you a score on a scale of 3.0 to 4.0 as your organization. So right now across the sample set, the average digital transformation maturity score is 3.59. Okay. 
if we do when we do the distribution the the mean the average score is left of the peak on the um the distribution okay and so the standard deviation is about 15.9 give or take so when a when you do a dtma one of the things that you want to do you're going to score the client using the scoring mechanism and then what you want to do is run their data against the industry sample okay and so then you want to see where they fall uh, in terms of industry 4.0 maturity on the scale okay and then you want to share that with them here's where you fall on this on you know after scoring now this is a it's a living distribution because i mean just in the last three weeks we got new scores back in from clients that we had already worked with the i think 31 of them responded and i had to rerun the data and we we did a redistribution and you can plot the client on there um well why so, is it that we don't just give that data to anyone though why is it we're trying to train the people how to actually leverage it properly two two reasons two reasons there are a lot of scumbags out there okay there's a lot of, there are a lot of people out there that if 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 i gave them that tool they would use it for evil they wouldn't use it for good okay there are there's a lot of people out there who would try to use that you know as a selling tool to rip rip their customers off okay and listen i'm not telling you guys anything you don't already know all right uh number two there is a very specific workflow there is a playbook for doing this correctly and so if what we're going to do is give you the tools then we have to give you the guidance first you know it's like with this with this powerful tool comes a great responsibility and we can't just we're not gonna just turn it over and let you know people either they if they don't understand the steps and the process then what it's going to do is muddy the data we if, if i'm going to allow someone else to do the scoring and drop their scoring into our sample we have to do either one of two things we either got to do a comprehensive peer review of the way that they collected the data and did the scoring or we have to know that they are a person we taught how to do this one of the two right it's much easier for us to just teach them right one time instead of peer reviewing each time they submit one so that's why we do this we, we want people out there selling dtmas but the last thing we want is people out there selling dtmas who have no idea Correct. Let, let, let me get to this piece right here. So the continuous improvement uh, versus innovation. Okay. So I, 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 the huge company I was telling you about, we weren't going to work with them. We, so their score, we, we, we had an idea where their score was going to be, but more importantly, we knew a lot about their business strategy. So what we did was we, they were on the board of large manufacturers to, in the top 100 right now who we don't expect to be major players 10 years from now. They were they were in red, okay, and highlighted. Uh, after meeting with their um, the people in charge of their plan of the future, um, there was one slide they shared with us that made us change our mind, okay. And I'm going to share that slide with you guys here in a second. I shared it in the Discord server. Um, and here and here and here's why this slide mattered. There are many people out there who think that digital transformation is continuous improvement that I can use lean six sigma i can use kaizen um i can use um tpms um i can i can use m many of the lean methodologies to help an organization digitally transform you cannot <laughs> okay continuous improvement is incremental change it's an incremental fine tuning of an existing foundation that's what it is okay incremental Digital transformation is groundbreaking innovation. Okay, we we call it innovation. And here was the slide that our client shared with us that uh, that told us that this was going to work. That this is a client we can work with. Okay, our our direct customer said, you know, Lighthouse Projects. You guys should have heard of. It's a series of experimental collaborations with external partners on the leading edge of technology that showcase future possibilities in manufacturing. Lighthouses address the hardest parts of our biggest problems. They represent kaikaku, or radical breakthrough changes to our processes where the traditional Kaizen might not be enough. So this is, this is continuous improvement, the lower line. And then he, they, our client demonstrated that he understood that digital transformation is groundbreaking innovation. You have to depart from the albatross around your neck 
that's keeping you doing things the way that you're doing them. That's Lighthouse. That is digital transformation. When he shared this slide, it demonstrated to us that at least in his department, in his group, in Plan of the Future, we knew that they understood digital transformations, innovation, and not continuous improvement. The vast majority of organizations that we talk to, there is some CI manager, there is some lean black belt um, who is there who's telling you digital transformation can be achieved through using lean principles. It simply cannot. Here's how I know. They have not digitally transformed using lean, and I have seen people fail try to digitally transform with lean. I have helped organizations. We have 208 accounts. We got 203 companies we worked with in the last seven years. Um, and, and our success rate is like 98% on the 203, okay? There, I, there, I, I dare say that there's probably, I, I would be really stunned if there was another um, company out there who has helped more companies get on, get, get on the road to digital transformation than us, okay? I, I would be stunned if that were the case. I, I don't doubt, there might be, but I would still be surprised. So it's important to note, digital transformation is continuous improvement it is not uh, innovation, or it's innovation, it's not continuous improvement, all right? Um, and then the last thing I wanted to highlight before we get into the questions um, is if you have a question about the industry 4.0 skills, like, I, you know, what, what skill, what's the difference between my job five years ago and what my job's gonna be five years from now? It's all the stuff in red. So come back here, take a screenshot, those are the additional skill sets you need to be. This is what we teach in mentorship. Um, you need to, you have to have these skill sets to, um, in order to be part of the rank and file who's going to help push digital transformation. Okay. I want to make sure I highlighted that. And then the last thing, the importance of fluency at all layers of the stack. Okay. You know, I did, I did an interview in the last few weeks, um, in the last month. I did an interview, or I, I had a, a meeting with a guy and then I, I did an interview with another one who both had the same problem and I, I don't want to embarrass anybody. So I'm not going to mention their names, but if you have no operational experience, let me, and this is an absolute statement. Yes, I'm saying it. Okay. If you have no experience in OT, you have no plant floor experience whatsoever. You are not qualified to lead a digital transformation initiative. Let me say that again. If you have no OT experience, okay, you don't understand the plight of operational personnel. Okay, that is the people who take, who are tasked with taking the plan out of the ERP and turning it into finished goods. If you don't understand the challenges they face, the, the drivers that dictate what they do uh, next, you're not qualified to lead a digital transformation initiative. That doesn't mean you can't be part of a digital transformation initiative, but you can't lead it, okay? I, I don't know how you would be able to do that. It just boggles the mind that you would say, well, I don't have any OT experience. I don't I've never worked in production. I've never supported production directly. I know nothing about their day-to-day -day job and the challenges they face or the reasons that they keep doing it the way they're doing it, okay? And, they, and they're so resistant to change. If you don't understand any of those things, you're going to fail. It's going to be a failed initiative, okay? Digital transformation happens from the ground up. In my meeting this week, the importance of fluency at all layers of the stack, okay? In order for you to have fluency at all layers of the stack, you got to have OT experience, right? Now, that doesn't mean that you have to... There was a great question that Mario asked um, in the Digital Mastermind on Friday, and he said, you know, Walker, what if we don't have fluency at all layers of the stack? What, what, how do we, how can we do digital transformation maturity assessments if we don't have fluency? And I said, well, then you create a team that has complete fluency, right? If I can speak knowledgeably at all layers of the stack, um, then I, I can lead DTMAs, but I, I don't pretend to be an expert at every layer in the stack. I'm an expert in definitely three or four of them. Um, but here's why it's important. We were doing a plant walk for the client here um, yesterday. And um, we, were, we were walking the floor after the kickoff and we were looking at all their operations. And, you know, our, the, the proof of concept for digital transformation is going, it's going to try to serve two things. Number one, 
you're going to create the foundation upon which they're going to use to digitally transform the organization. Number one, you're going to create that foundation, the technology infrastructure that you're going to plug nodes into. Okay. That's your underlying goal, but it's not the visible goal. There are not many people are going to even know the difference between one architecture or the other until you hit critical mass and the solution centered approach doesn't scale. And like all of a sudden I can't add the nodes that I wanted to add. Right. But the average layperson is not going to know the difference in the architecture, but they are going to, they are going to realize value, right? So when you do a POC, you have to target immediately immediate value for members of all layers of the organization. So most importantly, the people on the plant floor. Okay. So when we were walking the plant floor, um, we got into their, their, uh, their press area, punch presses. And, you know, there were a couple of questions that I asked that were very important questions, right? Like number one, are your presses one out, two out, four out, your die configuration coming out of your stamping presses? Are they one out, two out, four out? Do you do any inline vision uh, checks? Go, no, go, um, no. Uh, what's the lead time and workflow for uh, rebuilding your uh, your dies? So for for the tooling department to get those dies into those presses, okay. Those that question that one question gives me so much information that's going to help me point directly to the value we'll be able to create for that client, okay? For the people on the plant floor, if what we can do, if what we can do is put inline quality testing using vision systems for, you know, one, two or four out, um, punches on the, on the stamping press. And we can speed up the lead time. So that is to slow down or, or shorten the lead time for getting a new die built for the next production run. Then what we can do is we can give them the ability to do shorter production runs instead of having to do, you know, uh, 200,000 strokes, you know, for 800,000 pieces coming out of the stamping press. Um, the reason they want to schedule long runs is because a changeover takes so long because you got to rebuild the dies. If we can create it so that if we can create a mechanism where the tooling room knows immediately how many strokes are on every die when they look at it and they know which dies they've got to build, rebuild way, way far in advance, then what we can do is short down the, shorten the number of runs, how long the run has to be, the production run. That comes from fluency. That doesn't you can't you can't be an IT professional and walk out on the plant floor, pretend to be an authority, walk by that stamping press, know nothing about how that thing runs, know nothing about the workflow and expect to be able to give them a knowledgeable recommendation on how they can improve the workflow. That's why fluency matters. And when you go back in and you meet with the IT group and you're talking to the IT group about how they monitor um, network health, how they're, how they're testing for multicast traffic, how they're measuring the open um, TCP sockets across all infrastructure. That comes from fluency. You know, you can't, if you're an electrician, you know nothing about that. You can't speak knowledgeably about it and help them. So the, this is the importance of having fluency at all layers of the stack. And when you create your team to help digitally transform an organization, you can create fluency at all layers of the stack by making sure you have experts at all layers of the stack on your team. And that's why we build teams the way we build them. Okay. All right. Zach, did I not, did I miss anything that I wanted to touch on there? No, I thought that was good. All right. Um, 45 K minutes of me just K bitching. KA asked, uh, does the use of seek give them a higher score for like, yep. So there's a platform pillar. Um, would that give them a, a higher score for pharma industries? The answer is yes. So they, uh, why? Because seek plugs into infrastructure, right? It's technology centric. It, it supports the technology, the predominant technology you're going to want to use in your IOT infrastructure. Um, um, Hey, K a, uh, real quick, uh, or let me finish answering your question. So seek is going to give you a much higher score in the, um, in the platform um, pillar. Um, yes. Uh, is pharma, we have a lot of black belts and a lot of people working on incremental improvement, but we can never change totally. Um, 
that doesn't you don't abandon continuous improvement but continuous improvement becomes part of your digital transformation journey but f many many iterations into the process it's not part of the poc you're not doing you don't take a continuous improvement approach to architect the proof of concept and your 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 digital infrastructure you know you don't use continue you don't use lean to decide what your digital strategy is that's not how it works um don't be a scumbag, <laughs> Michael Brown. Uh, Tesla 3.88. If somebody wanted to know uh, Tesla, yeah, Te uh, or 3.87, I think. It's, Tesla has the highest score. It's the 3.87. Um, yeah, to put that in perspective, the highest score is 4.0, and Tesla's a 3.87. Um, there is no 4.0 score, and not in our sample. And our sample is massive. I, I I dare say we have. Um, the largest collection of data of um, for manufacturers in the world. I don't have any doubt about that. Um, may the fourth be with you. Yes, may the fourth be with you for guys. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. Uh, and let me see. In pharma, I just want to make sure I cover everything, Zach, that I don't miss. Walker, I'm really struggling with why I feel is a lot of gatekeeping. IT and OT digital transformation includes a lot of smart people who don't know much beyond their bubbles. Yeah, SSS and AAA. Uh, the first thing you have to do is tell them that they don't know anything outside their bubble. Um, so Vaughn is with me this week. Yesterday in the session, the president of the company is sitting in the room with us. And the and and yeah, Vaughn was sitting right next to me. We had a big room during a big group. We had the CFO on, we had the president of the company. And the first thing I I mean, ten minutes into the conversation, I asked the chief financial officer and the president of the company, um, do you guys know that you're not the smartest people in this organization? And when I meet with the directors on Thursday and the ownership group, um, I'm going to ask them the same question. And what they said was, yes, we're not the smartest people. I said, they said, our job is to enable the smart people. You, you've got you've to make sure those people in that room, the people understand what they're experts at. I think most of you would be very, very shocked at the approach that I take when I'm working with a client. I'm respectful but I'm as transparent and authentic as I can possibly be. Because uh, if I worry about people's feelings, if you worry about people's feelings, I mean, think about how much time that takes. Imagine you got one person in there who's m way more sensitive than everybody else. And they're the caveman, right? The citizen against virtually everything. If you, if you craft the message so that you don't offend the most offended person in the room, then you're not saying anything. You're certainly not saying anything meaningful. Okay. Uh, all right. Got that. All right. Let's go answer a couple of questions. May the force of transformation be with you guys. <laughs> digital Vader. We call Dan Riken Digital Vader. Uh, hey, Zach, you want to... Wh when is this again? We're doing this in June or something, right? Yeah, Architecting your industry 4.0 career. And um, little, little announcement. Uh, we're going to be having a swag pack limited drop. Notice my shirt. Swag up. So... Um, and it's going to be limited edition and anyone that is going to be attending that event has an opportunity to, to get it. So, and sign up for anyone joining the mentorship program in June. That's when, Hey Zach, are we, are we allowed to say who we're doing that with yet or no? No, no. Okay. Not yet. So we're doing, we're doing it with a partner. We're in conjunction yeah, so with a partner. There's going to be a swag want, pack. You guys are yeah. going to want to get on it. That's why the waiting list is so, so key. I think there's already 200 people on the waiting list to sign up. So excellent. Yeah, and 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 so this is an extension of so you're you're an you're a industry 3.0 professional or you're a student you want to learn how to you know I want to how do I architect my career right I want to I want to I want to work on industry 4.0 projects and digital transformation then I want to lead them like that's what I want my career path to be this is all about that what do you study how do you get started where to in best invest your time uh, remember new domain um, iot.university I suspect everybody's able to get there now. Now let's do Luke Small here. Um, question for the community. As we think about helping plant managers and factory owners, et cetera, realize their vision of digital transformation, what broader changes are you seeing within the industrial sector that they need to be aware of? This is a good question. I'm going to talk. I'm actually going to apply it to this week. Um, number one, plant managers and factory owners don't have a vision of digital transformation. Uh, that's what we discover. Um, during the, they don't really have a vision. They know that it's important. They know it's about technology. But one of the things that really stands out is when we're presenting 
when we're doing the uh, either the kickoff, the leadership, or the operation session during a DTMA, what becomes abundantly clear is that there is no clear vision for digital transformation. So part of what we do during the leadership meeting is we help them craft their digital strategy and help them spit out the three sentences that is their digital strategy. If they already have a digital strategy and we believe it's flawed, we, told, we tell them. And then we point out all the places it's flawed. If it is flawed, it's almost certainly because they picked a uniquely digital thread architecture. Think uh, Azure. So think you know um, Azure IoT, that's digital thread. Um, that doesn't mean that you can't create an open architecture environment with Azure. You absolutely can. But they do intentionally create barriers and put, they put barriers in, you know, hey, we have an SDK to solve that, right? They, they put barriers in to kind of funnel you towards Microsoft solutions. And, and the idea is to create this digital thread um, architecture as opposed to AWS. I'm definitely a much bigger fan of AWS, which is definitely much. And again, you can do digital thread with AWS but they don't make it impossible to not do digital and thread. They actually make it very, very easy. It seamlessly integrates into a purely technology-driven stack. I'm not sure why it's that case. It's got to be, you know, the the way Amazon approached um, web services that 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 made it that way. Because, um, um, actually, I have no idea why. I, I would love to know. Maybe I'll have a conversation with Michael Brown on it. So what broader changes are you seeing within the industrial sector that they need to be aware of? Here are the broader changes. Um, part Your digital transformation initiative needs, in part, it needs to start out being a focus on enabling people on the plant floor to solve problems. It's not about just taking, bringing information to people on a dashboard. It's about, it's also about giving them a mechanism to expand that information, create new information from data and information in a way that, that, that is a function of their expanding knowledge. If I look at a dashboard, I may learn something, right? I look at a dashboard, it's informing me. I can take action, right? Or it could leave me wanting. It could make me come up with another idea. You know what would be really valuable? If I created this KPI and put that there, okay? Um, look at baseball, for example. Sabermetrics became a big deal once we had 40 years of baseball, 50 years of high-fidelity um, baseball data, pure data, total number of hits, pitches, all that stuff. Sabermetrics became... It fundamentally changed the KPIs that, ba that we use in baseball have changed as a function of the fidelity of the data. And they continue to change because as we analyze that data and information, OPS and OPS plus and WIP and all that jazz, it, it makes us come up with ideas on how we can become even better at fielding a team on the floor, uh, on the field, right? The same thing happens to digital transformation in your plant. So what are the broader changes that Luke is asking about? It's that the organizations that are succeeding are the ones who are most agile, um, that or as our client here in New Hampshire likes to say, nimble. They cut. They use the term nimble, but it's the organizations that are are, are most agile, and they ha They've taken an approach where they can scale fast, right? That is, they can scale quickly. That continuous integration and continuous development is driven from the edge. It's not driven from some IoT team in some far off data center somewhere. Okay. Number two, your personnel is going to become more technically adept. You're going to hire more technically adept people. You're going to start testing your operators when you're interviewing operators. You're going to start giving them tests to test their technical aptitude. Those are broader changes that we're seeing. From a purely business aspect, and I'm sure that's what Luke is asking because he's a business guy, the broader changes are manufacturers are working with their customers and they're working with their suppliers to use data and information to make the connection, but those two connections much easier. Okay. Much more seamless. Um, has anyone worked with the MS Dynamics GP? That's Great Plains, for those of you that don't know what that is. Uh, how are real time connections made in the unified namespace with it? Is it SQL? Is there a mapping of tables and fields? The answer is it is SQL. That's, that's the primary mechanism. Uh, there is a REST API as well. Um, ben Venema commented, we use GP. However, we're still working on setting up a UNS. 
so I don't necessarily have any help there. Um, the reality is, is that uh, when you create a unified namespace and say you're going to hit Great Plains, in, you're almost certainly going to be querying the Great Plains backend, and then you're going to be mapping to the unified namespace that way, in, including having topics in the namespace that are uh, data set results. Okay, so a whole data set as the payload in one topic. Um, okay, Davey, I can't answer that yet. Um, okay, uh, Tina, uh, Tino Co. This will be the last one I answer, and then I'm going to see if there's any questions in the chat. Uh, you once asked, what's, what, what's my, what was my biggest hurdle? Currently, I'm trying to understand what is the best approach for machine integration in a facility. So this would be, um, how do I get my machines, the machine intelligence, integrated into my infrastructure? For example, scenario one, the machine comes from the supplier with no profile, think uh, no objects, right? And the engineering team traces parameters from the machine, production count, downtime, alarms, temps, pressure, etc., and they push it up to a certain MES system. It really shouldn't go to the MES system. It should go into a unified namespace. Uh, then this MES system has the, all the logic processing, those parameters coming from the PLC. That is your leak. That's your least ideal scenario, but it may be one you're forced to do on a case-by-case -case basis. Scenario two, taking away the logic part from the MES and putting it in the PLC, that's more ideal, more ideal than scenario one. This approach makes the PLC smart in a way that it manages production and requires less acknowledgement from the MES system. Exactly. Number Scenario three is the most ideal scenario. All the logic is done on the MES side, and the machine already comes from the supplier with all the relevant parameters regarding control, production quality process, alarms, and so on. That's what you're trying to get at. So for your greenfield implementations, you're going to have a minimum technical requirements for all the intelligence in your infrastructure, and you're going to have a specification you give to your OEMs. That specification right now is focused on capabilities. It needs to do this, it needs to do that, and it needs to, you know, this the cycle time's got to be this, it's got to have these safety features. The one thing that you never put into your specification is, how is it going to integrate into my infrastructure? You're going to add that into your specification. It needs to meet these minimum technical requirements. Um, scenario three is the ideal scenario there. So, uh, great question. We'll get to the rest of them next week. Um, let me see... Uh, real quick. There was a good question from Jason Koch. Okay. You know, sounds like we have an opportunity. He has, he is a, a manufacturing equipment OEM. How can he help empower his customers digital transformation when he represents only a small fraction of the manufacturing line in total? That's it. You, um, Michael Brown says I have answers. Hey, thank you, Michael. I'm definitely going to get with you. Um, so Walker, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how manufacturing equipment can empower. Okay. Here, here's why. Yeah. Here's how. Um, as an OEM, a machine OEM, this is what we tell them. There's the first thing that you need to do is identify which data, which valuable data you generate on your equipment that would provide value to your organization, to, to your customer's organization. So you need to define that. You actually have to say, here is data that we create that would be valuable to you. Number one, that's the first thing is the definition. Second thing is the mechanism. Here is how we'll share that data and information with you. Okay, here's how we can share it to you. And it needs to be edge-driven, lightweight, open architecture, report by exception. Okay. Number three, give them an example of how they can turn that data into value. And if you, so by, you know, this could be through statistical process control. It could be through statistical process control on the edge. And then, uh, you know, machine learning to predict failure in the cloud, right? If you do that as an OEM, okay, and, you, and you're focused on wowing your client by showing them that a machine doesn't just have a functional um, role in your organization, but it also has a, an intelligence role in your organization. If you're the one who could show that, that, hey, our machines are designed to fit within an ecosystem, okay, then you become the OEM, the standard OEM that they're going to go to for everything. Okay. Um, John Forboard said, is the lack of multi-layer fluency part of why most organizations fail in their initial DT attempts? Yes, they have the wrong partners, right? That's number three, why they fail. Um, Jeff Rankin, DTMA is needed in our, for our automation lab equipment. We have some 4.0 equipment and software, but you're missing ERP and MES, for example. Exactly, Jeff. Um, 
I could talk to you offline on how to how to achieve that. Uh, lean, I not on a benchmark capability. Jason, your thoughts. How do you deal with people's interactions in Industry 4.0? The most used software is Teams. We even use it on the field to record videos and photograph QR code. Uh, teams and Slack. So if you look at social, this is why we're huge fans of Flow software. Okay. So when you hear me talk about Flow, the first time I ever saw Flow software, which is a it's a South African company. There's a guy. He's a member. The president of the company. His name's Graham. Well, is it Welton? It's Welton, right? Zach. Now that you're, I forgot his last name. <laughs> so Graham. Graham uh, anyway, Graham is a member of the Discord channel. He he owns a company called Flow. He creates a platform called Flow Software. Um, they were the first platform I ever saw that did two things. It did inline predictive analytics. That is, it could you could be plotting a, a time series measure over time. It would go back and look at all the previous history, and based on previous history and the current state, it would predict, hey, where I, how much I might produce on this shift. And it wasn't a simple algorithm. It was actually a very, it's a very complex algorithm and plots it on a chart, number one. Number two, they have seamless social media integration. So they integrate into Slack. They integrate into Teams. So the triggers... They're going the, to integrate to Discord, Graham. And they're going to integrate. He's working on that right now, adding Discord in. And he's actually adding in MQTT Broker and Unified Namespace capabilities. as well. He already supports MQTT and Sparkplug B, but now he's going to add in the Broker and Unified Namespace okay, management yeah. modeling. But... The, the reason we're such huge fans of that platform is because it, it seamlessly integrates with um, social tools like Slack and Teams. So yes, to answer your question, those social tools should become what we refer to as the real-time communications platform for your organization. Yeah. Do you support, uh, do you support, do you design and support for the TPM fillers or leave that implementation to the organization? Uh, okay, so we we support the implementation with the organization, but we don't do the design itself. That needs that that's an that needs to come from within. Peter Key, good question. Um, Alation's data catalog works well to have multiple database. Do you recommend it? Answer is yes in certain use cases. Sorry, I I could go through the uh, the use cases uh, in another video, uh, and then. I think uh, Srihari, this is a good question or comment. I think lean and continuous improvement needs digital transformation to stay relevant rather than the other way around. Exactly. All right, gang. Listen, I've got a meeting at the bottom of the hour with our clients. So we got to get back over to that plant. I truly appreciate everyone joining in. If there's any any other questions, um, drop them in the Discord and we'll try to get them answered. And uh, we will see you guys uh, next week. Thank you, everyone, for joining. Thank you, guys. Bye.